Good afternoon. Welcome back to Chewing It Over. I always say welcome back, and you might never have heard us before. And more fool you. But you've picked a good day to join us if it is your first time. If it's not your first time, you'll know how paranoid I am, not knowing whether or not this is working, whether my audio's fine or not. And so I always, uh, you know, awards go to the first comment that makes me feel uh, more secure that it's actually working. So please do let me know if you can hear me, wherever it might be that you're listening to this, being streamed live at lunchtimes on weekdays across YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Twitch, Instagram. Now, I've got a guest on today, and we've had some Instagrammers complaining that it gets broadcast into Instagram stories, and it's all portrait. And so when me and a guest come on, we go landscape. You can't see us, but you can hear us, and so it's still worthwhile. So if you insist on watching it on Instagram, that's tough look. But because it's everywhere else, if you've got a problem with it when a guest's on, then go somewhere else. Go to YouTube or Facebook, etc. Katie Napton's tuning in from LinkedIn today, and so thank you, Katie. She's uh, let me know that it's working, as has Ellie Tipney, who sends us a wave. So thank you both uh, for that. Tells me that we're broadcasting to some folk. Uh, thanks for those of you that do join us live, but also we've been pushing this out on Anchor through podcast platforms, Spotify, etc. So people have been reaching, it has been reaching various different people. And so uh, many thanks to those of you that tune in after the fact as well. So we're getting in and around sort of 50 people tuning live across various different platforms. But then we're getting about 800 to 1,000 people tuning in either on the journey afterwards or or uh, so after work and before work seems to be when people are tuning in for the half hour snippets that we're doing each weekday. Now, today I'm going to bring in our uh, esteemed guest. We've got Matthew Wyatt here, a good friend of ours. And uh, you'll all know of him, no doubt. I won't introduce him too, too wordily. Um, let me make sure. Let's. Uh, I'm still clunky with my uh, little edits and graphics there. But Matthew's here. Hi, Matthew. Hi. Good afternoon. Nice one. Now, what we're going to be talking about today is a big announcement that we did yesterday for MSKR, where we've got this um, event that we're running on the 23rd of October, which is a big birthday event for MSKR as a think tank. If you don't know about us, we'll talk about it in detail today. But um, also, it's going to be the first of a series of events that we're doing, which we've, we've run as being thinking in public. And we've done thinking in public events over the years, but they've not necessarily have uh, they've not been as regularly uh, regular as what we're planning for this. And also, we, I feel like we've got that theme and format down now. Um, so, Matthew, you are the Associate Director of Clinical Excellence for MSK Reform, which is our think tank. And what is it about your topic and subject and working group that you've been doing that means that you feel that this is the hottest topic in your, uh, well, introduce what it is we're doing as the topic for those that haven't heard. And then what is it about that that makes it the thing that you want to lead on for our birthday event? Brilliant. Um, yeah, well, I don't think it's any secret what the hottest topic in town is at the moment. Um, I think it's FCP. Um, so that's why we thought it was a perfect uh, topic for conversation at the first birthday. And it, it fits nicely with probably all of the MSKR strands, um, but particularly with excellence and um, governance. Um, and what we wanted to do was kind of unpick it a bit more because classic of physios and MSK, it, all these false dichotomies are appearing of is FCP good and bad in the same way as manual therapy good and bad. Um, and in true MSKR style, what we want to do is unpick that a bit more, be a bit more pragmatic about it, look in a bit more depth, talk about it. Um, so that's that's the plan. Um, we want to sort of get some deep insight into the roles. We want to address some of the pitfalls because there's definitely pitfalls. Um, and we, we want to talk about those and some of the things that we're seeing that concern us, um, but also the things that we're seeing which really excite us and to shine a spotlight on those. How have we fallen into the trap of 
dichotomizing it as a for and against straight out the gates. It's like we've, we've walked straight into that, haven't we? Where it's like when, when it became apparent that that was something that there was a movement for, as soon as anyone was to, you, you literally had to be just waving everything through as if it was a perfect idea, or you had to be a sort of frothing opponent. And it was as if you were either of those things, when of course it could have, the devil's in the detail. It, it matters as to what it means. So FCP being first contact practitioner, it needs to be unpacked more than that to understand what that means. And in, in, its, in, its, in this iter iteration of it, it classically means that you'd be the first point of contact, typically in primary care, uh, as, as being um, someone goes in with a sore bit, tells the GP receptionist or phones up for an appointment, and you see a physiotherapist in that context rather than a GP. But first contact practitioner doesn't necessarily explain that inherently because this first contact in private practice, in occupational health, in self how does that differ from someone that's self referred? That's the first contact that they've had about an MSK complaint could well have been a physio for years gone by. So those distinctions, even asking those questions sometimes was seen as being opposition. How did we make the mistake of it being polarized straight away? And obviously, as we said, this we feel is going to be something that, that sort of moves us away from that. But I'm interested in, we, sh we sort of saw that coming and it's a bit embarrassing that we sort of ended up, it, get, it got needlessly feisty in that direction. But it's what we do in this day and age, isn't it? It's the um, Trumpism politics of black and white and um, you, you have to pick a side and not talk about nuance, um, which I think is where we as MSK are a bit unique in that we will always talk about the nuance and um, the middle ground. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I think the, the whole first contact practitioner is interesting. Isn't it? I've spoken to a PCN clinical director this morning. Um, and who was asking questions about physios being ready. I'm like, well, um, private practice has been doing it for forever long. Self-referrals doing it. The clinicians we're talking about putting in are already doing self-referral. It's, it's just shifting the environment. But yeah, people like to make things black and white, like to jump on titles and um, things rather than yeah, talk about nuance these days. And probably social media, Twitter, 150 characters makes it a challenge. So it's all well and good as saying uh, that we're going to be coming through this and it, with a nuanced perspective and getting balance, etc. What was the infrastructure for the panel? Um, well, I'm interested in, I suppose, I, I'll describe the format, I suppose, but I'm interested in your take as to how you constructed who you felt would be the right voices and why, and talk a little bit about some of the characters that are going to be on there. For those that are wondering what we're talking about, there's an Eventbrite link for the first birthday party um, that is a two-hour event, evening event on the 23rd of October, and the link should be in the description for this. If that hasn't worked, we'll post it in the chat as well. Um, when Matthew's answering this question, I'll just go and double-check it's all working okay. But I'll just describe the format of what we do when we do panel discussions, which has got a bit of a history uh, behind it now. Um, we've sort of tried and tested, I would argue, through the Big R's process, which was then how the think tank was born, is that we do a 90-minute panel discussion in which the panelists get five minutes, up to five minutes, giving their hot take on the matter. Now, in this instance, they might provide some slides or data if they wanted to support it. They might just do it as a piece to camera, but they basically give their hot take on the topic, which in this instance is FCP, APP, careers and roles. We've also then put careers, roles and acronyms, because sometimes that confusion is part of why we need to clear this up. 30 minutes of that would be then these hot takes. There's then a discussion, a moderated discussion with Matthew and the panel talking through what they've just talked about and some of the uh, agreements and clashes that might have occurred in those hot takes. And then the, the final half an hour is then a very involved audience participation where 
as it's been going along, there's been questions coming in, upvotes and downvotes of questions. We've got the poll functionality that will be working and playing throughout that that time, the full 90 minutes. And so we're going to be able to be have an audience that's probably more involved in, in even though it's digital than they could ever be even if it was in the room uh, we've got a thousand tickets and it is capped at that and there's, there's the sales of those are going really well uh, but that's the format of the of the discussion what about then constructing the panel who have you got that's lined up and why yeah um it's something we, we've given quite a bit of thought to because what, what we, again we didn't want to have this, this dichotomy of people picking at fcp and saying it or just ban in the bandwagon of it. So what we want to avoid is the sort of talking past each other. Um, so what we've done is picked a panel we think can nuance it. We've picked a panel that are wearing various hats as well. And I'll go through all the panel in a minute, but most of them have, uh, have worked in FCP um, and other roles um, and hopefully can compare and contrast the roles. Um, and, and I also think it's important that we sort of talk about what FCP is and, and how it fits within the career pathway. Because I think what we're seeing, one of the things we want to address is that people are jumping into an FCP as almost a, a career destination um, rather than it, as the Health Education um, England career pathway with Neil Language and Amanda Hedsman Crooks have been working on, an FCP being part of a, a rich um, and developing career route. Um, so um, the, the, our panellists, we've got we've got Sally York, who's from Sussex MSK Partnership, and she's the FCP lead there, but she's also a spinal APP, so she'll be able to compare and contrast the, the, the specialist spinal aspect of the role versus FCP. Um, we've got Uzo Ekiog, who's going to come on, as he did on this show last week, and champion the role of rehab and make sure that rehab isn't getting lost, and people who know me will know that I'm probably going to join in with him on that one, because that's my bias as well. Uh, making sure that we don't lose our roots as rehabbers um, in physiotherapy. Um, we've got Rob Tyre, who's probably known to this audience, member of the Physio Matters podcast team, and is a um, expert community APP and generally a magnet of all things red flags. Um, we've got Jenna Bardsley, who was a member of my original MSKR Excellence Group um, and a big friend of the, the organization. She works um, with Joe Gibson as a shoulder specialist at APP, but also has started to do some SCP work as well. So again, she can get, um, compare and contrast the roles. And then hopefully um, we're going to get uh, Richard Collins, who's a SEM um, to come on, because he's been asking some really insightful questions about governance and career pathways and looking at it from, through the medical lens. So I think Along with me who, as the moderator, I'm hoping that the two of us are going to ask the panel some insightful questions and try and draw out some of the nuances of it. Because it's interesting, isn't it? We do need to make sure that we understand and collaborate with the medical fraternity on this and also recognise that that needn't be, you know, if, if, we, if we don't see that as collaborative, then that really is. We were joking about the fact that you were for or against sort of tribalism almost earlier that would be a, a really silly clash to occur if we if we weren't to work with our medical colleagues on this. And some of the questions that Richard and others have been posing about, you know, where it fits and, and how we can demonstrate appropriate competence where necessary and how it can make sure that it's a integrated approach rather than an either or, that it doesn't, you know, it doesn't displace interesting parts of GP work, but also in areas where it's appropriate for us to assist the GPs, where, whereby we might be more specific and specialised. And, uh, and so that those integrations are really relevant and you know, I hope we can get Richard's voice involved in, in that way. I think um, one of the, every single one on that panel 
it's clever how you've you've balanced it really you've got some sort of secondary care voices some primary care voices some that are in that sort of where clinical leadership but then also managerial leadership and infrastructure routes so you know sally's instance she's been involved probably across across all of that um but then it's also that every single one of those are people that will happily speak their mind they're rarely rarely sort of uh tongue-tied by the politics of the matter um and also they're there's there's a there's a consistency there in terms of their clinical stance, right? They're all it feels like all of those names have been attached to or associated to the work that's been about aspiring to clinical excellence and remembering that the the patient care is at the heart of everything. Now everyone would say that, but it just feels like when I look at those names, the thing that sort of stands out for me is that they're often championing the, the core product of care delivery and that all the infrastructure we create needs to be to optimize patient care, patient care, and, and often you know we we use almost rehab as being sort of uh, central to that. When it comes to the the names that are that are then on that panel, how do you see it sort of going in terms of the to- the key topics within the topic that you feel that are going to get raised? What you don't need to give away all the top questions, but what do you feel as being the themes that are going to be sort of directed? Yeah, I, I think again, I think it's about the insight into the roles and how how all these roles integrate with each other. Because again, it's this false dichotomy, and probably one of the reasons we were quite keen to do this because a lot of relatively inexperienced physios are jumping into FCP roles, thinking that this is a a, a very different career route. Whereas when you look at the really good models, Sally's is a good example, Somerset, they're really integrating it into their pathway. In fact, there's a podcast going, a webinar going on now, which Andy Bennett was just talking about that very thing about making sure that we integrate into it. So it, that's that's the level of insight looking at is how it all joins up rather than just these nuance, uh, these silos, which have no nuance um, to it. Um, so I think we're going to initially, the, the hot take from every person is going to be very much around them arguing for their, their view of why that's a good career pathway. So why FCP would be a, a good career choice, why um, sticking as a rehab APP or a rehabber would be good. And then uh, and we can talk about how they can all work together, um, say, rather than this just butting heads and um, mm. saying my career choice is better than your career choice. I feel like one of the things I'd love to see come out, and I, I can think of how it would do from, from a couple of people, even within their hot takes, is that, we can't ignore the fact that there is a, a stereotype at play that seems to be being translated as being the go-to model, whereby someone's maybe got some funding within a GP practice to, to or, or within a CCG to actually in, implement some of the roles. And it really is a whole time, standalone, single clinician, not necessarily completely isolated or detached from local services, but certainly that that role is then shoulder to shoulder, room to room, with with GPs just doing that role and the integration we're talking about or the fact that that person might do an FCP day within another role, et cetera. I, I'm a massive fan of that model, but I'm seeing far less of that. I'm seeing less of those integrated structures than I am the fact that there's just these um, these roles that you're describing. I and mean, we'll go to workforce in a second that we have time, but it's more that just in terms of the actual the recruitment of them and the positioning of them when we've seen them advertised, etc. We can talk about this aspiration for integration all we want, but if in on the as the rubber hits the road, and you know I overuse that phrase, but it's like I don't think I'm making it up to say I'm seeing far more of the isolated uh, weird way of saying it, isolated FCP 
in, 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 in primary care um, GP practices, then I have these integrated structures. Is that where I'm looking or do you feel that that's representative? Um, no, I think that's fair. I think, yeah, there's definitely two models developing. There's the, the directly employed into the, the GP practice and then there's the integrated model. And, and the integrated model has definitely been the one that's been championed as the gold standard. That, 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 that's not to say there aren't some drawbacks of that model. The, the ones employed by the GP practice are probably far more integrated in the GP practice and bring the value of that. Um, but I think if, if you do that model, then you've got to definitely look at how you're integrating back into the in, uh, the wider MSK system, secondary care, the community services, where your governance and and probably what we're going to touch on more, where the career pathway is going to come from. Because if you get, you're employed by a GP practice as an FCP, but you're not, you've got no other way to develop. Where do you go career-wise with that? And where do you get your governance and your support? Um, so yeah, I've, I've heard some great stories whereby people have been, you know, there's often said, don't underestimate how much of a role you'll have within education and leadership in that practice, working with the GPs, et cetera, and totally understand that. But that, that almost assumes a level of expertise or career uh, experience that means that someone's going to have got to a position in which they don't necessarily need in their, um, their MSK peers around them or would value that team approach and that essentially that they are it's almost as if we've made up this huge as if there's a huge group of of, uh, of high-end app and consultant level physiotherapists that then are going to go into those roles and, and and be able to then want to work shoulder to shoulder in that environment and, and the aspiration of it yeah and i think richard collins is making great points about that about it being a terminal career pathway but yeah we, we need to really yeah understand that and and look at that because that, that that would be an entirely new direction of travel. And I, I think, yeah, it, it's, the, it's the wrapping around governments. And if that's the case, then I think it's good. And Jack March has put a question in the chat about the pay banding of that. That I think that's got to be reflected in pay. If somebody is actually a standalone commission without the governments, without the support, without their level of integration, and probably are doing more akin to a GP role than a traditional physio role, then that probably is... Um, needs to be remunerated at consultant level, which I think Amanda Headsman-Crooks is a really good example of where that does work. Um, but she's somebody that has the competency and experience to do that. Um, I think that's one of one of the things that the conversations ended up being a bit muddled on, really, is that there's, there is this, the archetypes that have been led up. And Amanda's a great example of that, Neil Langridge, you'd even argue Sally York, just, just the, 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 the bee's knees, the top of our profession. Um, but they are apart from within themselves, they're kind of peerless when it comes to a scale model. You know, it's something that, that's not, that's one way, but it's not necessarily sustainable to, or it's not honest of us. It would be disingenuous for us to suggest as a profession that we've got that ready ready and waiting. Uh, it'd be, be more hype than, than sense. Um, one question that's come in that I, don't, I want to make sure we don't skip over, which is from Elizabeth Jen, uh, which I think is a very good one, um, which is, it sounds a good panel, but would a patient representative be a good addition? Uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, Matthew. I certainly do. I'll come after you. Um, yeah, no, I, I think it's a very, very relevant um, thought around it. I suppose, and I, I'm normally the first one to be banging drums for getting the patients in. In fact, I, I think Therapy Live, the, the patient panel, um, was came out of the conversation between Jack and I. Um, I. I think it probably would add value if we could find a patient with that, um, that with that knowledge and insight into it. I think as a fledgling um, career pathway and also 
I think our view on the conversation is very much around the career options and what it means to physios rather than necessarily the clinical delivery of FCP. There's been, that's been de- debated to death. Um, yeah, I think I, I, our focus I, I, is much more on what this looks like for physios and how a physio would choose what their career route is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that was, um, you, you've, you've, you've nailed that there. Um, I'll do what I do and repeat it classically in my own way. But it's, it's that I often would, you know, let's, let's get, that, get that patient voice in there where, where appropriate, get the student voice in there. That's typically the MSKR way. Let's get a, multi, a multidisciplinary voice in there. But it's because it's careers and roles being central to it. And also that we want to get stuck into the, the, the especially important lived experience that comes from the service delivery, which we often want from come from patients. I would say in this instance, we're probably going to be sort of focusing in and around that lived experience of clinicians and what they're aspiring to and the varied of roles and stuff. And so in this instance, when considering it and considering the categories almost that we were trying to put the panelists to, I did think about it and actually moved past it. Um, now, it doesn't mean that that wouldn't have been enriched by a patient voice, but it was something we didn't necessarily seek out for the reasons you're talking about is we're actually going to be doubling down and almost getting into the weeds. And it's not fair to have patients in there almost tokenistically when we're actually be talking past them a lot of the time because they're not going to necessarily want to get into the weeds on um you know even even sort of nitty-gritty banding disputes and things like that it just be you know it'd not be fair for them to not be able to join the conversation and speak that language so that's one of one of the reasons why i, I think it'd be uh, it'd be smart for us to not in this instance um but yeah but liz is liz is uh, at least accepting our answer here she said fair enough although she has recommended to us david gilbert uh, patient director and he is an absolutely fascinating and, and brilliant voice and please read his book if you haven't already that's uh, certainly someone that i'm going to at least get on this show but i think we've got a physio matter special with him down the line that we're going to be able to get get going so it's a great recommendation and, and certainly someone who would be able to to join that conversation well um matthew i want to i want to ask before we go as to what it is about um thinking in public so beyond just this event we've we've been uh, using that title uh, it was a full day's event obviously at therapy live the mskr we had thousands of people talking and thinking about policy which rarely, rarely happens and that, and then the huge interest in what we've been doing with mskr and before that the big r's thinking in public has been something we've used not just as a tagline but also the act of thinking in public is something that we consider to be quite unique would you say that's fair that it is unique and what is it about us that, that and, and thinking in public that makes it distinct from all the other policy conversations in and around MSK physiotherapy healthcare. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm slightly biased on that one because I'm, I'm not going to turn around and say no, we're not unique, and we've got we, hey, just like everybody else. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's the difference. I think thinking in public is is, is the Ron Seal test, isn't it? it? Does what it says on the tin. We're actually having these conversations, and part of the objective is to kind of get into flush things out, look at it from different angles, unpick it, take it to bits, rather than just the, the dichotomies we talked about at the beginning of manual therapy is great, manual therapy is bad, NHS physios are great, private physios are bad, vice versa. Um, I'd like to think that's not what we do in MSKR, um, more that we we pick something apart with the goal of trying to go towards solutions to problems and, and take the conversation forwards. And I think that was the premise with um, the big R's was it was about taking the conversation forwards and constructively so. So I think, yeah, the, we we as an organisation, that's what we aspire to do. And I think we've been quite successful in that space. Yeah, I've had some comments where people have suggested that 
um, or ask me to unpack what I mean by um, the opposite of thinking in public. Like, what do I perceive is going on when? And I don't think it's because there's there's people that are literally keeping the door closed and they sat around a table like they're scheming and leaving people out, or, uh, in adver- you know, purposefully. But it's just that a lot of the conversations are because they're more difficult, the more plethora of voices you have involved. People just, because they've experienced too many cooks spoiling the broth in years gone by, and the infrastructure, especially pre-digital and pre-interprofessional social media usage, I would say, that it's totally reasonable that you're not able to canvas all voices or, or go to wide memberships uh, in order to, to really do that. It's, it's, it's very complex and a, a big challenge. And we've certainly faced that as an organization. You know, we're not immune to it. But that infrastructure is sometimes because it's so difficult to necessarily get those voices involved. I think that that's why there's been this culture in which a lot of backroom deals happen and a lot of a lot of things need to be behind closed doors or not really talked about. And instead of there being a, a true, you know, trusting a profession, especially a professional audience or a very interested audience in the MSK space to participate and to see these things be thrashed out, even if they don't agree with the conclusions, they've at least been able to see the working. And I see FCP and the wider conversation around F- advanced practice has been one where by being at least felt to be left out of the conversation or not being able to see the fact that some of the variables that they consider to be underrepresented to have been reasoned with because it's all been done behind closed doors is one of the big challenges I feel um, and, and why in this instance, not just for this topic, but other topics, why MSK are, are passionate about thinking in public and trying to make sure that we entrust the wider members and, and, and interested public, I would say you want to try and make sure that they are involved because you've got to, it's sort of patronizing to suggest that everything needs to be curated to them, that they can't necessarily be seeing that working out going online. Yeah, I, I think it's, it, it's vehicle fit for what we're trying to achieve, which is to move the conversation forwards. I think that some of the values we don't we don't have to ha- make decisions as such. We can kind of just move the conversation on, and, and even with our manifesto, it was never um, hard decisions and final. Um, it was always just this is the direction we want to take the conversation. Whereas I, I spent eight years on CSP council and a lot of CSP committees, as Anne Green, who's one of the other directors, have, and it's a very different environment where you, you do have to, at the end of a meeting or a discussion point, have to reach a decision and go right. We're going this way or going that way. FCP, yes, no, we're going to back it, we're not going to back it. Mm. MSKR can just talk about it and, and talk about how we could potentially move it in a different direction or nuance it, look at the governance, the evidence, the base of it. And that's the thing is that being a, being a think tank, we, we pose policy and then offer that discussion and, and put ourselves up for challenge. And, and we've all laughed and said that there's plenty of things, even within the manifesto of a reform, that this individual policies that any one of us within the directorate would disagree with as a, an individual thing. But as a theme, that's the, the direction that we're sort of proposing. And we're welcoming critique all the time. And this event is no different. So if you can get one of the thousand tickets that are available for this, the interactivity, for those of you that attended Therapy Live, will we'll see that Physiomatis has a platform called Big Marker, which we utilize. And the ability for you to be very involved, to upvote and downvote questions, submit your own if you want, use the chat function, and also to then use the polling feature that we didn't use lots at Therapy Live, but there's uh, some really good interactive poll features that we're going to be able to garner some quality data from. You can be very involved in the conversation, as well as then a panel 
that's going to definitely not be pulling any punches. It's going to be a sort of warts and all analysis, talking about the strengths and weaknesses, pros and cons, opportunities and challenges, but also being able to think about this in such a way that we need to, if we don't take hold of it and, and create something that we feel is going to be in the, in the best the best, uh, the betterment of patients, the betterment of services, the betterment of us as professions or as an industry, then it's just going to get ahead of us. You know, Chris Mercer, I always remember him saying um, at a CSP's conference last year, he was saying, is this a boulder rolling, rolling down the hill? Is it getting away from us? Um, to, to much controversy to some extent, but you know, he was saying that then and it felt like he was maybe, you know, people were arguing he was being a bit of a naysayer and that that wasn't the language we should use. But especially with what's gone on with the disruptions of the pandemic, you know, I think Chris's metaphor is probably understating it in some ways. And it's up to us to try and make sure that we have these discussions openly, honestly and professionally. And I really admire the fact that you've put together a panel that can do just that. So really looking forward to it. Yeah, likewise. And, and exactly that. It's, it, it's about quality control, nuance, and holding ourselves to account on it. Absolutely. Lovely. Right. Well, 23rd of October, uh, the links are being posted. Thank you to Jim for posting those, as well as being in the description to the chat. Uh, so if you can't find it wherever you might be listening to this, for example, on Instagram, I know that the functionality is different, but do, do go and find it. That's a Thinking in Public event. FCP, APP, LOL. Roles, careers, and acronyms. Tickets are available, just a thousand of them. So make sure you snap them up quickly. It's uh, an MSKR event, and you can, as you buy your ticket, there's an option to donate. We're a non profit organization trying to drive MSK practice forward. So do consider a donation. And also bear in mind the uh, broadcast that I did yesterday for MSKR members and supporters, etc., that's also available on these channels and will be going out as a newsletter to tell people that our MSKR members, that you are now being declared as founding members. And then as founding members, you're going to then get exclusive benefits, lifelong membership, for example, to Physio Matters Plus, which is how you're going to get first access to Therapy Live tickets, every piece of content that gets created, as well as early access to everything that Physio Matters creates. So it's going to be our flagship product, and you're getting free lifelong access for being a founding member of MSKR by being a member this year. So there's lots gone on with the pandemic, but that's one, one piece of good news for us um, at this uh, difficult time. So many thanks and, and thanks for the comments still coming in. We'll come to them. Um, certainly I'll, I'll be going on the chat function, but we have been keeping to time on this. We've done half an hour. Thanks a lot for your time, Matthew, today. Really appreciate it. And we'll speak again soon, mate. All right. Cheers, everyone. I'll see you tomorrow.